Hello and welcome to the Pants Party, a sad edition with my friend Ben Ross from Harrison Star. It's been longer than I'd like to admit since the Iowa loss, about four days. And how are you feeling? Um, I, I'm, I'm better now. Yeah. I wanted to pod immediately after or at least on Saturday or Sunday yeah. when the wound was a little bit fresher um, to try and get more, I don't know if personality is the word, maybe drama <laughs> out of <laughs> me and perhaps you. Um, it still hurts. Yeah, man. Like we'll riff on this, but I have an important question to ask you. I'm not, I don't want to ask it at the very time, right, yeah, but it, it sucks. And compounded with watching the Iowa woman lose. Yes. We're get, we're going to get there. Yeah. We'll get there, but it truly, it was one of the worst feelings I can remember. And not just like about Iowa sports, but like, this, this feeling in my gut is something I don't think I've experienced before after during that Richmond game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think from an emotional standpoint, like we were very confident and here we are a week later eating the crow that we served ourselves. But like when we watched the game. It's like, this is why we're confident. Like Iowa was clearly more athletic, but Gilliard was hitting shots. Keegan wasn't taken over. And that was kind of what you needed to, to say nothing of everyone else missing a ton of shots. And, and to me, it was a very easy explanation for the loss and that's all well and good. I, I, I'm happy that it's easy to explain. But then I went back today and I'm like, oh my God, the, the inbound defense was just killing me, killing me with how bad it was. And I go back and it's the worst defense that, that I always had in five years. And that includes the 2018 team, which was wet paper bag defensively, like literally the worst defense I think in the Big Ten at that time, one of the worst Big Ten defenses of the last decade. And they had a better inbound defense than this Iowa basket, this Iowa basketball team did this season. And that's a 100% credit to Richmond. They, they had identified that weakness and went at it time and again. Um, I remember three just straight cuts, straight for the basket, and easy layups. One might have been an and one too. Um, the the thing I have, I can't get to the clips, so it's just the stats. Um, but man, it it capital S T U N K Ben, it's dunk. How has Iowa's loss affected your watching of the tournament? It. I couldn't watch Richmond, but I watched just about every other game. Like I, I had, I think what sucked is Christine and I had decided on like weeks ago, we were going to take Thursday and Friday off post up right. a couple different places. And I wasn't going to let that deter me 
um, from watching sports. I will say um, that I couldn't watch Richmond. Did I say that already? I couldn't watch Richmond on Saturday. Uh, I decided I I don't want to see it either. They win and we do the mental calculus that they, oh, they, I, I, Iowa couldn't, the bet, the best team came out of that pod or they lose close or they get blown out like they did. It's like, oh, Iowa would have lost out of Providence anyways. I, I couldn't just, I couldn't watch it. So I went and we went to the park with Elliot during that time. It was, it was very well worth it. The, the decision that we made to uh, go there. But I didn't let it deter me. I, we had set up three TVs so that we could have CBS through the antenna. We could have Double our cable break, going. We got three TVs. Yeah, wow. yeah. Well, I mean, they're, <laughs> this is the only time of year we use them. So, And then the third one, we had the Apple TV plugged in so we could, uh, when there were four games going, we, we could do that um, kind of once we – got back from the games, but I don't let it deter me. Um, I think I started hate watching things a little more though. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like uh, I was especially invested in Duke losing, which they have not yet. And I, w- I will remain there. Um, I think uh, the other one, uh, obviously Purdue that that's, that's my team. And then I'm, I'm the rare Michigan guy. Um, who is going to have them as my third team. And naturally, naturally that team that had no business, not at all, making it through the first weekend, getting into the tournament, I dare say. They're there now. I mean, I, I said it last um, last week that a team with 17 wins, and that was pre pre <laughs> Pre Big Ten tournament was the seventeen win. That was regular seventeen wins the regular season, I think. Yeah. So I ended up with eighteen or nineteen. Um, had no business being there. Silver lining, and I completely forgot until I reopened. I don't do really too much betting, but I had placed a future on Michigan <laughs> to make in the Final Four back in like well before the season started, and. I do remember there was a time like middle of the season where I kept on refreshing my app to see if it would let me cash out <laughs> of my bet. Like let me, cause I put more than I'm like normally do yeah. on a bet like that. And um, so I was like, let me just eat half of this and it wouldn't let me. And now we're almost there and you are almost I can, <laughs> I can, I'll be rich. <laughs> really? That's incredible. I mean, you only have to go through Villanova and then uh, the winner of Arizona-Houston. I mean, it's certainly possible. So easy when you put it like that. I know. I know. I guess the other one that, that like, my worlds are converging because that uh, – I do want to – maybe not now, but in a minute, like, go through each of the pods and have, like, if you have a take, I have a take, just all the way down for the 16 teams or how, how they made it through. Um, but I think the other one that I'm going to ride with Arkansas, of course, now that is a team that is just chaos. Like, I mean, I, I don't know how they, they won by a combined nine points over Vermont and New Mexico state. And I actually think that that is a little wider margin than they had last year through, um, through the two games into the sweet 16. Just, Heart attack on a platter. Yeah, so I will say you're a better man than I 
Um, after the Iowa lost, I consumed zero games between Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I even I like I, sk- I made plans at bars without TVs. Uh, yes, on purpose on Friday and Saturday night. I like went out with people who. I went on dates. So a woman who really don't care at all. I, one of the women even went to UNC and she couldn't have cared less. Incredible. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I was like, yes, perfect. This is awesome. Classic. Oh, is March madness happening? And I was like, yes. And we are not going to talk about it anymore. Um, I did, but obviously be, I, that was a recipe for being hung over as shit all yeah. day Sunday. Yes. Therefore, I couldn't. I watched every single yeah. goddamn game there was on Sunday. Even pulled out. I only have one TV because I'm not rich. So oh, okay. I even pulled out. I even pulled out <laughs> my laptop to get some second screen viewing action. And all I can say is, God, Illinois stinks. I'm so glad they were exposed. I mean, Houston's probably pretty good, but Houston is good. They, they got worked. They got at, Illinois got worked, and this is the team who we thought they were. And what is it? Doesn't Brad Underwood only have one NCAA win? That that's it. I think last one year. first round win or two. Yeah, two because they won. They won the first game each year. But okay. Yeah, I mean, the I, I think the Shaden Freud index has never been higher because y- you're right. the The two teams I was cheering against the most were Illinois and Wisconsin and dash of Gonzaga, a dash of Gonzaga. Um, I guess all behind Duke, but man, that, that UT Chattanooga game, you, you wouldn't, you would have missed it because you were uh, just in your malaise, but that was a wild one. They had no business winning that game. And then they turn right around and just get punked. And it's, I, I said this in our comment section. I, I think if, if you're Illinois and you're an Illinois fan, you have to be magnitudes more frustrated than an average Iowa fan with Fran McCaffrey, right? Yes, and I want to bring up a point. It happened to a lesser extent this year, but last year it was all Io Dosunmu over Luca Garza um, for Big Ten Player of the Year. Yeah, and their whole argument was that just Dosunmu is a, a better player, is more capable of doing more in the postseason, and is going to have a better pro career. <laughs> well, and my my response to the last one was so we're not talking about that, and it's turning out to be true. But like Luke is still not some pushover in the NBA. He's getting his minutes when he's when he's not in the G, when, when he's not in the G League team. He's yeah. getting his minutes. Yes, and. Now you have you got another high flying guy named Andre Corbello, who my mom so astutely pointed out that he falls all the time, and yeah. similar to a lesser extent, Purdue built something for themselves right now. But then Kofi Coburn, big men don't win in March type of situation, totally and completely misused him. I felt like against Houston. The prob- I think the problem with with them. So my overarching point oh, is yeah, yeah, yeah. that going off of Illinois' theories, they're saying that Fran, oh my God, he wasted all his talent. Well, if you listen to yourself, Brad Underwood wasted even more talent. So sit on a tree. 
I, I think the thing about the Illinois is it they have the regular season banner, which you can hang. Iowa can alongside their tournament banner that I guess Brad Underwood doesn't like anymore. Um, but still, I mean, I, I think when this is the difference between Illinois and Little Old Iowa. Illinois this century has been to a national title game. So there's still the scar tissue they have is newer and more justifiable in terms of, oh, we need to get to the Sweet 16 when we have guys. Iowa, I, I, I get a little bit of grief for it, but like Iowa getting into the tournament and then you roll the dice. We say it all the time and, you know, came up snake eyes. That sucks. But um, for Illinois to have the talent, the returning talent that you knew about, and then to have like Plummer come on, I think he was really, he was their best player in, in both those two games, Frazier, Williams. And then you have all these seniors, but you're, you, you have to bring in these two freshmen to space your floor around Coburn. I think you're right that that was probably the right approach to spread the floor. Maybe they probably could have run more straight pick and roll, but it's tough with the, the college facing to, to have an NBA offense without just elite talent. And I think Illinois, Illinois learned that. And then, then Wisconsin, do we want to talk Wisconsin? Because man, that was a fall from grace in my opinion for Johnny Davis. And then talking about, I mean, Johnny Davis, he's hurt. He was hurt. Yeah. I mean, he, he was hurt. And I mean, we'll talk, get into it a little bit later. Keegan, I think was hurt too, but Johnny Davis was definitely hurt. Not to the point where don't play him, Yeah, but don't play. I think his number, his minutes cross a 30 minute threshold, which is at mm-hmm. least 10 too many, I think probably for what a situation was. Um, but like Wisconsin lost that game in Milwaukee. That was a home yeah. game and totally and completely fumbled the bag there. And one of my <clears throat> basically my entire company basically lives in Madison and huge, huge Wisconsin people, our CEO, our founders, they all went to Wisconsin and they, um, a bunch of them took Thursday and Friday off. And so I was, and there was like a separate March Madness Slack channel that people created. Oh, and yes. One, and they were all talking about how Wisconsin looked like so tired. They didn't want to be there. Incredibly lazy, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, are you talking about Iowa, Wisconsin, first of all? And then second of all was like, if you can't get up for a game 45 minutes away from your dorm, then, like, whose fault is that? Yeah, uh, a lot of people's fault. I, like, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. Brad Davison was the Wisconsin player showing the most emotion and most, yeah. um, what's the word, determination out there without question. 100%. 100%. I wouldn't have it any other way, in my opinion. And, and I do right. think, like, part of it, and he should he should because he's gonna go sell real estate for the rest of his life. So like that he should be fucking <laughs> cherishing the best moment of his life, peaking at age twenty two. I'm happy for him, but like, 
if that's who you're rallying around when you have Johnny Davis and Chucky Hepburn on the team, then and, and Tyler Wall, who kind of um, I think had a pretty good tournament, then uh, you're in trouble. I do say, like, I think they had something when Chucky went down that kind of reminded me a little bit of when Nunji went down. If you'll remember, like, just the air just came out of them because he was, and this is a point Thad's made before, like, he's the only other guy other than Davis who can go in and kind of create his own shot for himself and others. I think Davison does a pretty good job of kind of seeking out his own shot at times. But, um, yeah, that was a tough one. Do, do we want to say anything about Iowa State? quick as kind of the the triumvirate of teams that we do not like yes i do and i don't know if i want to say this guy's name on here i've said it before but in general iowa state fans chest pounding about how they won what they won two games last year yeah two games they won two okay so i mean they have a point (laughs) They went to yeah. they won two games last year, and now they're in the Sweet Sixteen. Mm-hmm. Chess pounding, Otzelberger, lifetime contract, coach of the year. Nobody else is even up for opinion. Which, I mean, maybe like on paper, I don't know who who you stack that up against, especially after like Baylor's not going to repeat, and uh, I don't know if you want to give Coach K a fucking dis- distinguished Medal of Honor <laughs> um, for his for his retirement tour 2.0 but also he won two games like yes do i wish i was in the sweet 16 yes but and it it was beating wisconsin impressive on wisconsin's home court basically yes i'm talking myself into agreeing with these iowa state fans now is what's happening and it just makes me so goddamn sick to my stomach yeah I wish they were hateable. Like, I mean, the the meanest thing that I can come up with about, like, any of the players is that Gabe Kalsher is a shooting guard with a lower three-point shooting percentage than Connor McCaffrey. And you know what? Hmm. Uh, that's it. Could, could drop a 20-piece on, on Wisconsin so we can all appreciate that. If you have to leave Minnesota – to go to Iowa State coming off a two-win season for more playing time, <laughs> more power, more, more, more power to her, more power to you, Gabe. Yeah. Really, yeah. I mean it. Yeah, so we beat around the bush enough, Ben. I think it's time to to get in some some Iowa basketball talk because uh, I don't know. Like uh, we've had, we've got enough distance from the actual game that maybe we can take some longer views on it, but. Um, I think from a a single game perspective, that what that felt just like it I thought it would feel if Iowa had lost because just not hitting any shots, not making any runs, um, not always getting countered. It, it just felt like that that is how the game would have played out in a loss if I had written it up because as I mentioned kind of at the top, Gilliard went off. He was the best guard in the game. And too often it's felt like that's kind of been what dictates whether Iowa wins or loses. 
I mean, yeah, guard play really, I think, kind of told the story in this one. And, I mean, it was just so obvious early on that Bohannon probably couldn't hang with Gilliard, I think, especially on the defensive side of things, you know, offensive side, whatever. Mm -hmm. And how many ball screens did Iowa run at the top of the key? It's like throughout that entire game. Like it wasn't working at all in the first 10 minutes, let alone the entire first half. And that was all we had the, for the whole second half was ball screen after ball screen to Bohannon, who I think hit two threes yeah. the whole game. And instead I would have liked to see, I think Joe Toussaint only got 15 minutes of playing time. I'm going to pull up the box score when you're yeah. talking and Ulyss didn't play at all. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that, if we're going to get into the minutia of where Fran went wrong, it was not throwing everything possible at Gilliard because, you know, he got his against Bohannon, but he also got a fair amount against other guys too. Like I think Perkins got, got a couple times, but to, to not get Ulyss out there um, to, I thought Sanford was deserving of those minutes, right? Um, because Iowa did really shorten the rotation. Um, and I think foul trouble played into that a little bit too. Yeah, Chris Murray only had 16 minutes. Um, so it was basically, I mean, an eight and a half man rotation, which is not using the depth that Iowa had really all season um, to try and slow Gilliard. Uh it's frustrating in that respect um, because I thought Ulysses is the type of guy who might be able to do something because um, he's got that length as well as like good body control quick enough, but not super fast can use his length to, to deter it. Um, and then to your point, like that was kind of a Joe Toussaint game and mm-hmm. Fran rides his guy, right? I mean, um, but who Joe Toussaint? Who I know Jordan Bohannon is Fran's lapdog, but Joe Toussaint's his guy too. Joe Toussaint started as a freshman. Yeah, he did. He yeah. plucked him out of Brooklyn, and I can't think of a guy who has taken on his diminished role this season with such a high head. And I, rewarded isn't the right word, but. And now this, but I guess, yeah. And now this is what he gets. I mean, not to say, I mean, Joe Tassan will be back next year. He's going to do well. But he didn't even have 15 minutes. He played 12 minutes and 40 seconds. Aaron Eulis played 14 seconds. And the main thing is you are four days removed yeah. from emptying out the bench yeah. against Purdue. Yes. And all of a sudden, you put a, put, put a chokehold. On your rotations, I mean, I'm not calling for another 10 minutes out of Josh Agundale, but I I don't see why you don't give him out there for four or five more minutes when Robracha couldn't do a goddamn thing. A guy who we've liked all year, yeah, probably had a, one of his worst. You know, I don't know if it's his worst game of the year, but it just sticks out because of the high stakes of the situation. I, I mean, let's be honest, Robracha was kind of useless out there. Yeah, I, I think he he had his moments, and it it, it was. It's I mean, the, still, he had nine rebounds. 
but like the way the way that they do it right richmond is they're very selective about when they go for offensive rebounds so like someone's gonna get those defensive rebounds and rebracha was a guy Mm -hmm. so i I think yeah it it was an eyesore game from rebracha because he did kind of get his in terms of the rebounding um but he was you know with a passing center like golden there's there's the the risk you take by not defending him up tight that it gives him those better angles to make passes and that's kind of the the it's a little bit different than like with Connor McCaffrey he needed to shoot so that he could have better angles but with golden having the higher ball he can you know, use that space between him and his defender better than if Golden had that credible three-point shot and I was playing out at, at him. Um, it, I don't think that was defended very well, and I don't think Rebracha was the guy for it. Um, the problem was uh, Chris Murray got into foul trouble too. So classic two-foul jail, right, as I, I recall. And... Um, then you're going kind of Keegan or Bracha at the four or five and um, not really trying any guards that are doing anything. And I think that the issue was part of it. You just kind of looked up and, Oh, there, there are 10 minutes left and Iowa hadn't kind of gone through that Rolodex that, that you had mentioned in terms of getting a number of guards out there and they couldn't mount that final run. I thought they did a nice job getting it to Keegan down the stretch in good positions on the block, but that probably should have been done towards the end of the first half, middle of this first half, instead of just kind of letting them float around. Um, Cause I thought Keegan played fine. Like, you know, he was in the post game. Mm-hmm. He's like, I was finding open guys and those are shots that we normally hit and they didn't go down fair assessment. But in, in some ways you want your star player to, to take on, that star role. And I don't, you know, I don't think it did anything to him from a draft perspective. I think that's a weird lens to view it through sometimes, but um, you know, it, it sucks because as we said, we we can dilly dally all the minutia. I wouldn't make shots and you have to make shots to, to win basketball games. It makes me especially sad too <clears throat> when I think they came out with like the the Nightsmith finalists today and it was yeah Keegan Johnny Davis and then two guys who are still playing yeah and it's like oh no oh, no Shawini isn't playing so the only oh, guy Kentucky, left, yeah the only yeah left is, is Agbaji Agbaji yeah Ajabi. well so it's Keegan two guys who won their first game <laughs> and then one yeah. guy who's still playing yeah which so I mean no no no, no. on paper they didn't win either. Kentucky didn't win. Oh, Kentucky! You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> so they got St. Peter's. So I didn't. I didn't watch. You didn't. I didn't you didn't watch. So. <laughs> um, that's my goddamn uh, excuse. So, but but going back, more importantly or more succinctly, is like it, it sucks because you're right. If they do make two more of, I mean, if they go what? If they go eight of twenty nine instead of six of twenty nine. <laughs> from three this is a different ball game if they if they stop if they stop one 
out of bounds play and they make one three, Iowa wins by one. I mean, it's stu- stupid math, but math nonetheless. It's horrible. <laughs> and, you know, it's, I don't like this, but it's, you know, sitting in France seat. And I, I do want to talk a little bit about just sort of yeah. his body language that whole game. I didn't love, like, he he is totally any Too intelligent chill. basketball. Wa- yes, any intelligent basketball watch on an, any basketball watcher who brings up any of France past anger issues has absolutely no more legs to stand on. <laughs> yeah, because of not just because he he hasn't been assessed a double technical in I don't know how many years, but because he didn't get up from his seat. I, it felt like at all in the second half of that game. Didn't seem to raise his voice. Um, I think Tom Cackert, somebody tweeted like what Fradden said in the huddle during a timeout in the second half, and it was like, didn't even bring out a whiteboard. Just anodyne, motivational, speaking out of the corner of his mouth. And I happen to think Fran's like a genius. You know, genius is probably giving him too much credit seeing as yeah. though he hasn't made the sweet 16 but or beyond but i think fran one of his biggest strengths is drawing up inbound plays under the basket and calling something at the right place and at the right time and all we needed him to do was maybe he did do it more than did it but we needed him to do it when it really mattered yeah and he just didn't and i i don't like and normally i do agree with this i think tom crean this is what got him fired, but he said, like, I can't make the shots for them. Or, you know, I think lots of coaches have probably said that. Yeah, Alford um, most notably at Iowa. Maybe I'm thinking of Alford, Indiana. Okay, maybe that's it. But it's like, right now, find the lie in that statement. I Yeah, I can't. And I think that that's probably what Fran was thinking, is if I get, if I get on these kids, I've spent a year building their confidence. I'm not going to tear it down by getting after him. And I don't think he I don't think he would necessarily, but I think your point and my point about trying to get King in the ball are one and the same, right? In terms of it's it just didn't feel like Iowa emptied the chamber from a coaching standpoint. Um and you know I I I uh, he he bears the brunt of that because um yeah, I mean, he didn't dial out the plays. They had the one that gave him the the half second came off where it was the Keegan dunk. That was fun. But, hey, maybe we should have pulled that one out a little sooner. That and <clears throat> it seemed like when Pat, he hit those back-to-back threes yeah. to put Iowa on a, an 11-0 run. At that, and I think that was about five minutes into the second half. It just felt like, all right, things are clicking. Yep. This is the Iowa we know. Fran Fran made his Phil Parker halftime adjustments. And um, Pat, who was probably – he was the second best player, I think unquestionably the second best player in the Big Ten tournament run mm-hmm. um, after Keegan, maybe Perkins. But toss it between those two. And it's like, okay, if Ke- – I mean, Keegan still had his, his quiet – what was it? 21-point uh, outing. But it's like – we need somebody else to to sort of go to. And Pat Pat seemed like the only guy who kind of gave a damn for a moment. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, 
I think it's tough because like this is also where Richmond deserves credit in terms of how they defended them. They the best way to defend Iowa was to close off the driving lanes and give up one open shot on one pass instead of like getting overpassed or and over rotated. So they had Iowa defended well because like Tony Perkins, he only took three shots, um, three, two pointers, uh, which is not enough um, because he, he's a driver, right? Um, Pat took 10 in two point area. And I think that that was deserved. He didn't make shots. He has made in the past. I'm going to say normally makes them because he takes so many of those wonky shots, but those are shots that go in for him sometimes. And uh, I wouldn't have him not make them or not take them. And then you look at Bohannon, right? And really a quiet six points, uh, a poopy way to go out. And what Sanford I tweeted, too, one for five. Yeah. 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 Sanford was, I mean, that Chris Murray guns. one for six. Yeah. 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 Um, and I think that the thing that has to sting for Bohannon is he takes off the NCAA patch. And I said, I tweeted it out. If you're not going to play with the NCAA patch, man, you gotta, you gotta be incredible. And, you know, karmically, I have to wonder if I would just never sit a chance with someone thumbing their nose at the NCAA like that. Yeah. I mean, maybe. So, yeah, I guess so. Dude. <laughs> so the long view of this, Ben, uh, how do you think 2022 relates to the end of 2021? So it's tough because, I mean, I will won a game, you know, in 2021. Yeah. And then we play a name brand team, right? We can call Oregon a name brand team and get the doors blown off them. Yeah. And then Oregon goes on and proceeds to lose in spectacular fashion the very next week. Yes. And then this year, Iowa wins a Big Ten tournament. And I do want to remind everybody like last week, you know, I mentioned Brad Underwood blamed the Big Ten tournament on Illinois' early exit last year and how I said, and I want to, I, I remain steadfast in my opinion that that's a cop out. Yes, that Duke doesn't use that excuse. Kentucky could use, well, Tennessee, I guess, could you Tennessee lost, right? So they could use that, lose that, yeah. ex, use that excuse. Um, I suppose, but I, I still don't buy it. That dog doesn't hunt for me. And then we go going back to last year. We see Oregon lose, and then we see Richmond just get absolutely monkey, monkey effed. By Providence, a team who we don't think is very good in, in general. Basketball junkies, statheads think they're a paper tiger. And who do they even play this week? I don't even know. Kansas. Um, yeah, so they're going to get. They'll probably get boo food in that one. And in Chicago, um, I guess I don't feel good because back to back years. Iowa, there's no other way to say it. Wasted, all-American talent, 
Fran, I think we've said it multiple times, pulls unquestionably his best coaching performance out of a hat midseason this year by changing up the lineups in in a pretty drastic way and goes on that eight wins and ten games run or eight, eight wins and nine games run, and we're flying high. I had sold the season mid, you know, when I was yeah. in the Doverums, I said this wasn't a tournament team. Gets a five seed, I don't know, not out of nowhere, but earns earns this team a five seed, and it gets all of the hype. Yeah, they were in so many yeah. Final Fours. Dickie V had them in the championship game, not against. He had them in against Kentucky. I yes. think Hilarious. in the Final Four. So R.I.P. Dickie. He's not but, dead. Don't want to rec- don't want to rec- yeah. yeah, it's <laughs> close. But it just stinks because yeah. we were so hesitant to embrace the hype because we know we've seen this movie before. Yeah. And yeah. Ken Palm, Morning of the Tournament, on my oh, favorite boy. website, Defector, Kiss the death. writes an art. Writes an article about how you should cheer for Iowa. They're the most fun team in the tournament. And you know what's not fun, Ken Palm? Losing. Losing. Yes. Yes. So I want to just reiterate how bad I felt. And especially because yeah. it's like, it was for me, it's kind of the same circumstance when we lost. When we lost to Oregon. It was like a Monday, wasn't it? Oh, Something. it was horrible. And I, Monday in the middle yeah, of the day. Monday at like 11. Brutal. Yes. Um, so I was just alone in my apartment, sad. This time, I was still alone in my apartment, <laughs> but still sad. But it was like I now had I now I'm able to go and do things where I wasn't a year ago in terms of the country being open and things like that. And, and there were it just felt like you know things were back to normal this year. Fans in the stands, brackets are back, everything's normal, no excuses, blah blah blah. And it's like Iowa had a chance to make yeah it, it feel special, and they didn't. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's what as as much as anything, I think that's what sucks about the Big Ten tournament being that Sunday. It, it's not that it's a quick turnaround and things of that nature. It I'm with you. It doesn't hunt for me either, but what sucks is that you really can't relish that win as kind of a team, as a fan base, even though I think we did appropriately, but it's not the type of thing that it gets so easily dismissed when there's the first round exit and it sucks. Um, but I do think that, the comparison, you know, Nick and I have gone back on is like the 2006 team. And to me, like, I think we're going to look back on this team with a lot, a lot more like enjoyment than the 2016. Ben, you'll, the predates your time as an Iowa fan, but like I was going back through um, kind of those game logs and the rosters. And I had totally forgot that, between 2005 and 2006, Pierre Pierce stopped being on the Iowa basketball team. I cannot remember the exact circumstances, so I don't want to speak to that. They were not good circumstances. I th- um, so that was hanging over the head of that team. They 
played a not pretty brand of basketball. They were constantly playing games in the 50s and 60s, which ultimately did them in against Northwestern State. Um, they had a shot at the Big Ten regular season title and had some really, really dumb losses. Um, whereas this one, like, it, by the way they played, right, just scoring tons of points, athletes we haven't seen come through Iowa since Ricky Davis – um, and, and along with that, like plays that we haven't seen, like that play that Keegan has against Rutgers, that's an all-time play. And you kind of put it all into a, a bag. It's <laughs> all into a bag. You kind of package it all up. And, you know, considering there were much lower expectations, considering the turnover, um, Keegan blowing, I think even the, the, most optimistic of fans out of the water with how he played Bohannon doing Bohannon things, other guys coming on um, and kind of hope for next year. Like, I think that's kind of the, the other thing that goes with it is there are still presumably guys that are going to be around from this team that can move it forward that I think I'm going to have a lot higher memory of this team as I get older than that 2016, because there is something to say for winning that championship. Like, I think that's, as we said in the pod after that, there's validation that goes along with it. Um, and I think, um, you know, it, it does validate things for Fran. But back to the drawing board, man. Um, I mean, I think he he would probably play the, the game a little differently, uh, or at least I hope he would, um, knowing what we know. And that's that's why this is March. It's tough. It's tough. Do you have any comment on the interpretation? Do you have any interpretation of Keegan's comments post game? There is like a 5% chance of him returning versus a 1% chance of him returning. That's how I interpret those comments. I agree. I think like, I think Fran has to be telling him to leave. You have to leave. Yeah. Like, yeah. Here's here's what I was thinking, and, and what has to be going through Keegan's head is: Do I want this? Do I want this past year to have been the last year that I played with my brother? And I think that there's something to that that exists. I know Kenyon has said um, that they weren't a package deal necessarily, so presumably we won't see them drafted together like the Morrises were a decade ago, basically. But that's still got to be in Keegan's mind is, do I want this last year to have been the last one with my brother? And blood's thicker than water. Blood's heavier than money. Like, I I think, uh, but he still has to go. I mean, he has to go. Like, And I think Fran will. But you never know. I mean, (laughs) you can never know. I mean, yeah, and even Fran, Kenyon Murray, too, just has to be <clears throat> telling him. Um, off the cuff, then, speaking of next year, do you want to give us your starting five? I mean, it, the thing I'm most interested in is if Iowa went with Sanford at, at the two. Um, but I think mm. I think it's probably Tucson again, uh, Perkins, McCaffrey, Chris, 
and uh, Ripracha. And I think Sanford's the sixth man that can just fill it up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a good six. Um, yeah. In my opinion. I think so. I mean, I think Portal is probably in play again. Yeah. This it year. is. It is. But um, do, do you have anything different? Is that kind of what you're thinking? Or do you have a... No, I don't have anything different other than just maybe a pipe dream of getting back to that true center <laughs> to replace Rebracha in the portal. Yeah. But I don't know anything about nothing. So yeah, yeah, I think that's that's gonna be a tough one. So then, as we kind of go through the worst week in Iowa sports, I do I do want to take this uh this transition to say what I I think we actually had maybe a worst week in Iowa sports within the last year that was when and i have these dates pulled up oh my god friday december 3rd iowa lost to purdue the next day they get blown out by michigan in the big 10 championship game uh monday they lose to illinois uh let me see uh wednesday the women's team lose to Iowa State. Thursday, the men's team lose to Iowa State. The women's team also lost to Duke on that Thursday. So Thursday to Thursday, I think is about as close to a bad week as what happened with Iowa between Iowa going out early, the women's team going out in front of a packed Carver Hawkeye and the wrestling team kind of sputtering to the finish. Um, um, I disagree just because of the win and go winner go home situations yeah, yeah. and Iowa losing at ho- Iowa women's losing at home, literally at home, not like Wisconsin's fake home. This was, Iowa's home yeah. losing to a former Iowa player. Yeah. And I mean, Carver was so loud. I have never seen more Twitter conversation about a woman's game than I did for the second round matchup. And it was like my favorite writers like Chase Serrano, who hasn't yes. tweeted about Iowa at all this year. And um, Robert Mays, who's a fo- and Nate Tice, who are football guys who I follow. And literally everybody was all in on these Iowa Hawkeyes and too much hype. Once again, now, now they get to sleep in the beds that we make. Yeah, I think, what sucked about that game was just. I mean, what sucked about that game was Caitlin was Clark wasn't otherworldly. Yeah. Yeah. I kept waiting for her to just hit one of her logo threes. Take it over. Do it again. For, like, I was watching her. It was like, is this game broken? Like, why isn't she doing the thing that she always does? Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's a great way to put it because when you say that to me, it's like, Oh, that's a, that's a video game where you take it out, you restart it, you blow in the cartridge and you're like, all right, let's, let's try this again, Caitlin. Um, because to your point, she wasn't doing the stuff that she did. And I, I like, I hate to be like, Oh, great game plan to, to beat the shit out of her. But like, that's kind of what you have to do. And, and, and Creighton did a good job of that in the first quarter I thought they were all over her um, with the ball when she didn't have the ball. She was getting 
She was, was as bad as I. She see. really was. There is no other way to put it. But that, like you said, it was really only for one quarter. Because they, they, I don't know if they had gotten into her head, but it had worked that so that they didn't have to play her that way the rest of the game. And I think what they played her tough the rest of the game. To be clear, like, but it was not nearly as grabby as it was in that first quarter. And I think where. To your point, it stinks is that we're just used to her taking it over as, as we watch kind of the last couple weeks of the season. Um, but I think the other thing that I have that's kind of a weird psychological point, facts that we know Zanano is coming back, is there like a, a lack of that finality to it so that there isn't necessarily the same urgency? I get that. Like everyone wants to win this game, but it felt like it didn't have the same feeling as the men's game ending because no Bohannon, no Keegan, probably uh, no Connor, probably, but here they bring back all five starters. And I wonder if, you know, is is that just going to propel them forward? You think? And they, and they did do the double right with the regular season title and the tournament title. So there's some sense of accomplishment that's a little different than the men had. A little bit different situations. It's in a vacuum. The game feels different than the Iowa game and then the men's game, because Iowa woman, they had two chances to win or tie. Yeah. In the final seconds. And they didn't capitalize on either opportunity. Whereas the men's game, it was over with three minutes left, really two, two, three minutes left with the way basketball works Um, with the fouling situation. Maybe it's closer to 90 seconds. Either way, the game was in, the game was over. There was enough time for me to cry before the final whistle. Um, As good as Keegan Murray is, and you can't really compare them different positions. And I mean, I mean, men's and women's basketball is enough of a different sport. I think I could make that argument. Caitlin Clark dominates women's game uh, you know we can say keegan dominates the men's yeah. which is true but caitlin clark dominates it in a way i'm trying to think of a men's player was there is i don't think there's a comp i don't think i don't a, i don't think there is like at least Z- right now Zion, in college basketball but even he like maybe needed Zion, the ball but, and uh, he was a different position too yeah um just a, a completely different game so i i can't think yeah, go back. maybe Chet Holmgren this year, but still, like, not really. Um, Ty- Tyus Jones, maybe, but this is all, you know, I'm just pulling guys. Trey Young, probably. Trey Young, Oklahoma, that would probably be the only one, but they really sputtered towards the or, end. Or, or, yeah, bringing up Oklahoma, I'm thinking of Buddy Heald, too. He oh, had yeah. Moment, he, had, he had a minute, I think, where he was, he where he didn't miss. Um. So I, I just think it's different for that reason. And going back to like Lisa Bluter, um, I was looking at her Wikipedia and she's like, just so accomplished, you know, a couple of sweet 16s, one elite eight. Yeah. And it's, uh, I, I just think it's more, uh, if I were to um, buy stock in one of the two teams, I'd have to go with women. Yeah. You're, you're you're buying a blue chip as it is, you know it, but you also still think 
that it's going to be be better in the end. And I think that's that's a good point you raise about Bluter. Like Bluter doesn't have the same baggage, so to speak, that Frame does in terms of uh, tournament success. And they're the same game, but they're different sports. I think that the fact that Iowa can be now in that top tier, I, in my opinion, there's probably a gap what between the the number four team and the number five team. And then there's probably a gap between teams 12 or 13 and, and below. And, and unfortunately, like Iowa being in that top eight, you would think that's enough. But the good thing about, like I, I watched a fair amount of the women's games uh, this weekend and it's, they're getting more fun. Like the, they're a lot closer than they used to be. Um, and I think, However, Iowa performs next year. It's almost as important for the sport as it is for the team. And and I think that that'll be interesting to watch if they feel like they're playing with more pressure or looser because of those circumstances, just because I think all eyes are going to be on Caitlin Clark as she really developed the following, um, you know, being mentioned on Durant's podcast, got Van Pelt, leading sports center with her at times. And, and I think that, you know, heavy metal lawyer, he, he's been on this f- far before us, but I think next year is going to be to your point. If, if we're buying stock, it, it's time to buy it in the women's team. I've been holding off. I'm asking this question to you. This is what I said at the top. I have a question I want to ask. I'm going to wait. Yes. And there would have been a better time to ask about 10 minutes ago, but I, you were riffing. Where does the Iowa men's loss rank for you in bad Iowa sports losses? Bad or, like, frustrating? Because I – It doesn't like, – no, just Iowa sports losses in general. Um, They're all bad. Well, I, 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 fair enough. I would put the Michigan State one – ahead of that for sure the the football game uh, big Ten championship that's oh, okay 2015 that that to me is the number one nothing will beat that in terms of how much that one sucked um I would put the buzzer beater against north northwestern state I would put that above here that and that was 2006 that was 2006 or... yeah 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 um uh, I hate to put the women's game above it, but I was definitely like more pissed off about Iowa having lost the women's game than I was the men's. And then I think I would probably put the two Tennessee losses the um above above this one. Um, so oh, come on, yeah, the playing game one. The playing game one, and then the one where they went to overtime for the Sweet Sixteen. To to me, that's right. that's a tougher loss to handle. Um, and the the 2014 one, that one sucked because like Fran was losing his mind, and everyone just staring at him, glass faced. That was a bad one. So m- maybe put that one and this one together. Um, but t- to me, I think it's fringe of the top five, fringe of top five losses. How about you? I, I guess di- you'd couldn't disagree more. Couldn't disagree more. This is number one okay. on a pedestal. 
like not even close. I have never, and I'm just maybe, you know, not, not taking into account the surrounding factors as much. I just have never felt so sick. Like I felt, I have people, I think I never really believe somebody where, Oh, this makes me sick or I'm going to be sick. I have never felt the way I did physically after any sporting event than I did sitting on my couch Thursday, watching Iowa slip away to Richmond. Never, never, ever, ever. I was at, I was at the 2015 loss to Michigan state in Indy. You were a journalist. journalist. No, I was there as a fan. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, and so that's probably a combination of adrenaline and alcohol. I didn't feel that. I was a capital J journalist uh, against Tennessee in 2014 yeah. in the playing game. And that, to me, didn't hurt as much because I truly believe like Tennessee was a better team. Those guys were gigantic. Yeah, that's fair. That's a good point. Yeah. 20... The other Tennessee loss you bring up, and I don't mean to like poke holes in all of your arguments, but no, as you should. You asked me a question. Um, wasn't Iowa down? Was it, were they down twenty or twenty five at half of that game? They, they were down so much, Ben. But the yes. the amount that that was the closest Iowa's been to a Sweet Sixteen. So I, I have to, I have to put literally close to a Sweet Sixteen. So that's, that's well, I'd argue, I'd argue a win over Richmond would have put them closer to the sweet 16 mm, if they're yeah. facing Providence. Um, I, you know, I can't speak to the Northwestern state. I, I'm sorry. I'm just not ready to compa- compare. Uh, I'm just so much more passionate about Iowa men's basketball and football to compare them yep. to the women's team, unfortunately. But I mean, I put this well above the Rose Bowl, the Big Ten Championship game. I mean, oh, I still think okay. about two thousand. I, I still think about two thousand seventeen and two thousand eighteen, the Penn State games. Um, that would have like set the table for Iowa to win the Big Ten West or uh, make yeah. it back to the championship game up there. I just this has made me. I've never been more cynical or depressed following a loss. Like it's still carried over today, and it's we're almost an entire week removed from the contest maybe that's just how i process losses now i, I think i i, I think I, I think i would agree with you more if i did everything i could to kind of dispel a loss to me the 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 meta narrative around the loss bugs me more than the loss at least on like of course friday through sunday this I like of, that we disagree, though. I like that we disagree. Yeah, it wouldn't be interesting if we did agree. This is how I feel. This is this is a true story. This is one of my best friends. Went to Iowa with him. After Iowa won the Big Ten championship game, or Big Ten tournament, yeah. he ordered um, an Iowa flag off of Fanatics oh. to hang up on his house. Yeah. It got there on Friday yeah. after Iowa lost. Yes. Didn't even open the package. He returned it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. And that's exactly how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Return to sender. Return to sender. Mm-hmm. Well, Ben, we're, we're almost exactly at an hour and we have uh, time for a football minute. You want to get into that or do I mean, anything? We wanna... just run down. Yeah. There's nothing. Start... I mean, 
Do you have anything intelligent to say about St. Pete's? Oh, St. Pete's. I just got to run right with Doug, man. Doug is incredible. Uh, that whole team plays their rear ends off. Um, and like, this is just how, how weird March is. They went out and shot their, the made the highest percentage of threes that they have in mm-hmm. two, three months. And mm-hmm. they knock off Kentucky. And that's how the, weird stuff happens all the time. Um, but they, they're fun. Uh, as far as uh, my take on them from a Purdue fan standpoint, probably the team I would least want to face just because Purdue has even more baggage oh, than Iowa. I mean, if I, was Purdue, it, if I was Purdue, give me, they should give, be me the Cinderella, give me the Cinderella team the second on the second weekend for sure. Should they, they should they should be licking their chops because as it turns out, it's really hard to stop uh, two centers as Matt Painter has constructed, even though he never plays them at the same time. So uh, I'm not quite ready to take the L on that, but getting closer. Um, yeah, but that's true. The the baggage that Purdue fans have, they've they've last been to a Final Four was when Iowa went to a Final Four. And the amount of mm. good teams that Purdue has had since then is a lot more than Iowa's. Yes. So the team that would stink to lose to the most is the St. Peter's team. Uh, because that's just how it goes. But um, you're you're right. They should be looking their chops. And now, now we've put the pants party stink on them with our overconfidence. And I guess we didn't talk about this too. Going back to Iowa, I would I would still like to talk about Iowa basketball a little bit, maybe uh, selfishly. Oh yeah, um, we can get to. I don't. I've got time. You've got a family, so we can maybe talk about football next week. But yeah, that makes sense. What do you say? And there's a lot of them to people, and it's hard to you you you'll, you'll construct a good argument, and I don't need to set this up anymore. But people who are now as quickly as Fran silenced the fire Fran crowd. Yes. They're back in full force. And so now, and they obviously, they have a point. You need multiple points to fire somebody, but they have a point and it's a good one. And it goes back to what we said last week. If not now, when? Yeah. The thing I, the only thing I can say to, to them is that, my point is a negative you can't prove. Like, he, let, let me reframe it because I think here's what you have to look at it from a potential coach who would come to Iowa, what it looks like. You're Iowa basketball. They just fired Fran or Fran has left. Let's say he, he leaves under, uh, you know, circumstances where both people are happy, right? He gets a better job. Iowa fans happy to leave him after this season. You look at the Iowa job, which just put, you know, two, to your point, two all-world type players through their program. They didn't draw. Like, you look at Carver Hawkeye against 
uh, the men's team versus Carver Hawkeye against the women's team wrestling. They're third billing. It's a fun, fun team to have played for. It's a tough place to recruit. Um, and people will say, oh, you can recruit anywhere. That's fine, whatever. But building around the state's best players is tricky to do. And Fran's done that, created fun teams that hypothetically should be good, good way to spend 20 bucks, 30 bucks, take your family or, you know, and, and go to a game. But Iowa can't draw. So you're not going to get someone with as high a floor as Fran. So you're stuck in a lower tier, which I probably thought they were going to be in this year, right? Where, hey, maybe they're the eighth best team sweating selection Sunday. You're sweating more selection Sundays, I think, with a new guy. And with sweating selection Sundays means you're not in a position to lose a first or second round game because you're not playing them. And maybe you catch it. You you catch lightning in a bottle once and you have that 11 seed and you win a couple games. Maybe you win from the play-in game. You can still do that under Fran, right? I mean, like like the, the things that you're throwing away from Fran, I don't think are things as replicable as just hoping that you're going to catch lightning in a bottle with him. Um, So that's how I view it is you're just not going to get anyone better. Um, But I also like Fran, right? So I, I see through the, the issues a little more um, and live with them a little bit, but he's raised the standard of Iowa basketball since he's been here. And until he fails that standard two or three times. Um, it's tough for me to not stand by him. Yeah. I think we, you, more or less we have the same, we're in the same boat here. And to illustrate your point, I think a little bit further, which I think is the most important one in that, like, who do you go with? I go back to like 2012 with Iowa football where like Mark Moore, how everybody caught so much grief about Iowa beat rock writers at large were like Farron shouldn't be fired because who are you going to get to come in and replace and not to compare Fran. Like at the time, Ferenc was still pretty storied, but especially now he's the Dean, but it was like, who are you going to come in and get replaced and replace them? And don't say Bob Stoops. And people still would say Bob Stoops and, they had, to an extent, you know, they had a point. More than anything, Bob Stoops was a name on a piece of paper that you could slide over to somebody you're having this argument with. With Fran, there is no Bob Stoops. There is no shoo-in guy with a track record that's going to come to Iowa. Like, I think you wanted to talk about this. Maryland goes Maryland, a team with a much more illustrious history than Iowa basketball, goes and gets a guy from Seton Hall who has never made it out of the first round of the NCAA tournament. And, and, you know, Seton Hall has its issues too, but they're still in the Big East. They still play in a packed house every night in a sweet-looking arena I it, with cool logos and colors, and they're a, a good team with a, a history of themselves too. So with Fran, like, who are you going to get? You're going to get an up-and-comer from Indiana State? You're, I mean, 
you're going to try and get the guy from Butler or Xavier who, if they're doing so well, they're probably getting NBA looks or, like you said, uh, looks from otherwhere, from elsewhere outside of Iowa. And then you have to go back then to the Fran route and pluck somebody from Siena or UNC Asheville. And then that's you're back to square one. Like, look in the fucking mirror. Uh, it's it's pretty insane to me. I don't know. I can't hear you. Did something? Do you know what it was? I my thing got my uh, microphone got disconnected, so now it's back. Oh. Um, the person that you would get would look almost exactly like the two people before Fran. Steve Alford, yeah. young up-and-comer with ties to the Midwest who went on a Sweet 16 run. And then Todd Licklider was the guy who was at Butler while well, Butler was hot and went to his two 16s because of style of play. And I just don't think you're going to move the needle on Iowa's style of play with a new hire. I don't think you're going to all of a sudden recruit significantly better um, to have players come to Iowa than, than Fran's doing right now. And that's where I come back to the, the Maryland point, which is I think the more I look at it, Willard's a good hire for them because they need someone that can raise the floor. Because if you're Maryland with that illustrious history, with the DMV recruiting territory, you trust you're going to bring in great guys. So if you can get someone who's getting you into the tournament every year with a pretty good seed, he'll, he'll have the guys to get past the first weekend. And I mean, I think that's the gap between Iowa and Maryland, which is a big one to me. Maryland has the highest ceiling the highest ceiling of any big 10 program and Iowa doesn't I Iowa is a bad hire away from turning into Penn state. And, and I don't think fans realize how close that margin is. Um, that's, that's, that's my, so take. Tr- that's so, that's so true. Being like one, another bad hire away from turning into Penn state. Like that's a great point. And if that makes, if that makes like, I'm not saying I don't want Iowa to be in the Sweet 16. I want Fran to get Iowa to the Sweet 16. I just don't think that you're going to catch light. The chances of catching lightning in a bottle are not any higher with a new hire than they are with Fran. I will say this, though. Oh, yes. If firing Fran now is what prevents welcome, welcoming and new head coach Connor McCaffrey <laughs> in the year 2031. Then let's do it. Let's do it right now. Uh, yeah. Here's the thing about Connor. I, and I think Fran, I think they so, and and more, more so more so as a ton in cheek way of saying, don't turn my Iowa basketball into Iowa football, but Yeah. I, I think if they're going to try and set Connor up for taking over Iowa basketball, they're going to do it a completely different way. 
Like, I think he's going to go the way I would do it if I'm Connor McCaffrey is I would go as far away from Iowa basketball as he can and work his way up that way. The one I, I mean, this isn't that far away because it's back to Philadelphia. I would love if he went to Villanova, grad assisted there. Um, I would love that. I would love if he like went the NBA route, like, you know, peon for some NBA team. I would love that idea. And the third one I would love is if he became the new Robbie Hummel and did that for 10 years, got hired somewhere as like some low mid-major program and took over as a, a pretty decent coach. Um, those those are my three favorite career paths for Connor McCaffrey. Um, so I hope he I hope he takes his advice, whether he comes back next year or not. Well, he he participated in Senior Night, right? Yeah, we'll see. Okay, we've had people participate in two Senior Nights before, Ben. Who? <laughs> Jordan Bohan. Okay, God, damn it. I think that's the last time, Ben. I think that's the last time. Yeah. Alrighty. Alrighty. Well, any, anything else burning for you? No, I mean, this is good. I, we can talk about football next week. I agree. I agree. So for Ben Ross, for the microphone struggling Harrison star, go Hawks. <laughs> sure.